I do what I believe in. I don't actually worry about what anybody else thinks about me or a higher power. It's me and that girl in the mirror, and boy, is she a nasty son of a gun. So I really have to uh, live up to her expectations. That's Fitz Kohler. She's a passionate fitness innovator, race announcer, speaker, and author who's devoted her life to health and wellness. But when she was diagnosed with an aggressive breast cancer in 2019, her dynamic career as a motivational force was really put to the test. It's about controlling what you can. So yeah, we can't undo magic wand that poof, we don't have cancer, but there's a lot of things we can control. When it comes to this life and death situation, you should control. On this episode, Fitz talks about the many breakouts she's had from calling out the diet industry to finding strength and resilience during her harrowing 16 months of cancer treatments. Today, Fitz's cancer comeback books are game-changing resources for recovering and thriving after cancer, and her no BS approach to motivation and overcoming obstacles has helped hundreds of thousands of people live happier lives. Welcome to The Breakout, a show about smashing through life's little boxes and forging your own path. I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. And I'm Kelly Gunther. Carrie and I are people and change experts and best friends. We've spent more than 25 years helping organizations navigate change and get the best out of their people. Come on, we know change is hard, but staying the same can even be harder. On The Breakout, we prove that you can escape expectations and best of all, we show you how. Fitz, we are so happy you're here. You do so much. When you look at your website, you probably should be at the UN negotiating piece as well, Fitz. I do do a lot, but everything I do is all laser focused on one thing, which is helping people live better and longer, usually by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. So I am a mass media professional with fitness. I don't work in a gym or do personal training. Everything I do is designed to hit a massive amount of people. That's what satisfies me. That goes along with my mission statement. So TV, radio, books, magazine, online content. I do a ton of corporate keynote presentations and spokesperson work. I am a professional race announcer, which is super fun. I host some of the largest, most iconic running events in the United States. And my newest books are the Cancer Comeback series, which are making me so happy and so proud. And it's probably one of the most important things I've done because there were no resources for cancer patients when it came to fitness before. And now Mm. there's awesome resources. So that's what I do. I make noise. I boss people around. I make fitness fun. (laughs) So what is your kind of philosophy of breaking away from expectations and doing what you're really passionate about? So, you know, it's interesting. The number one place I find myself is uh, fitness. Fitness is the thing I've always done since I was 14, 15. The thing I'm most passionate about. You know, it's the core of who I am. But the way fitness is done is not always a good thing. But I have never succumbed to or bought off on the hideous, heinous, ugly side of my industry, which is selling the diets and the pills and the powders and all the snake oil and the crap that, you know, all it sucks and it's nasty and it takes advantage of people who want nothing more than to be healthy and feel good in their skin. And I think those are really fair expectations. And for these scoundrels to 
take their money and say, oh, try this diet, trust me. And I'm gonna tell you right now, there are zero diets on planet Earth that work long-term, that will give you the results you're hoping for. There is nothing other than moving your body regularly and watching what you put in your mouth. And if a product has a word diet on it, you know instantly it's a scam, it's crap, and you don't want it. And so early on, I just thought, no, this is terrible. And then I went on and got my master's in exercise and sports sciences. And the research and the data confirmed my hunch that all this stuff was lies by lying liars. And so that's a part of my industry that I just said, no, thank you. I have had millions of dollars offered to me to sell out and sell this crap. And there's no effing way that I would do that to people. I do what I believe in and I do the things with integrity, you know, I don't actually worry about what anybody else thinks about me or a higher power. It's me and that girl in the mirror. And boy, is she a nasty son of a gun. So (laughs) I really have to uh, live up to her expectations. You said you started working out at like 14 years old. So take us back to like this kid at 14 and you're already breaking the expectations and like knowing this was kind of bullshit because all those ads are on Instagram every day. Like get this pill, get this cranberry, get this coffee, whatever it is. How did you know at 14 that it was kind of these expectations are bullshit? So I was an overweight teenager. I had an eating disorder. I wasn't obese, but I was certainly 40-something pounds heavier than I am now. And I didn't have any information, so I tried some stupid diets, and I, I did try some stupid pills. Oh, my God, Rip Fuel. That's that's one of the things I tried with very negative side effects. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where I, I was trying. I was trying to figure it out, and I started teaching fitness. I was either 14 or 15 when I started teaching I was learning and, I, and I'm and i so passionate about the subject and really I find a great responsibility. I'm re- in charge of people's hearts, their lungs, their spinal columns, their joints, these things that need to stick with them and last a long time. So education has been a high priority for me so I never hurt people. I figured it out through trial and error and then I figured it out through research. I call it the exact formula for weight loss, that's my term for it, but the human body burns about 10 calories per pound of body weight per day. So let's say you weigh 200 pounds, we know you're going to burn about 2,000 calories a day. If you want to stay that weight, you need to eat 2,000 calories. If you would like to weigh 150 pounds, you need to eat the amount of calories only that a 150-pound person requires, which is 1,500 calories. So science is a beautiful thing. This caloric formula, it actually works for everybody every time. So yeah, once you know better, you do better. At least that's what I believe. Yeah. First of all, I love that caloric formula. I've never heard it that way before. That is like so simple. What's your goal weight? What do you want to do? Put a zero on the end. Oh my God. I love that. So as I was, you know, chunkier than I would have liked to been at that point, I've read this journal with this study and I thought, oh God, it can't be that simple. Is it that simple? I was 21 or 20 and I changed, started using the formula. I dropped down to my goal weight I started sharing it. And so, yeah, right on the cover of fitness.com, there's a block. It says exact formula for weight loss. It's all there. And you don't have to give me a a red cent in exchange for that information. It's just science and math. And um, use it. Learn how to eat the right amount of the right food for the size you want to be. And then voila, a little discipline goes a long way. Yeah. I am so in love how you're telling the diet industry, like, go F itself. And so where do you get that strength? Because, you know, millions of dollars is pretty nice. How did you motivate other people to kind of deny that that dark side? So I was that victim. I mean, I was an overweight kid. I did not like 
feeling so badly about myself. And then when I finally did lose the weight and I, I was at my ideal weight, right, I never thought about my hips. I never thought about my stomach. All of a sudden, I had this free headspace to focus on good people or good things or entertainment or education or any of those things. I had this weight lifted off myself because when you're overweight, you think about the parts you don't like all the time. And uh, doing that to somebody else would be cruel and unusual. And that's not about being perfect. And, you know, we're grownups now. I'm not thinking about getting in a thong at the beach. That's not on my agenda. (laughs) You know, I want to live well, live long. Yeah, I could just never do that to a person having been there. And for those who are doing it and you're listening, shame on you. Go get an ethical, legal job. Do something, anything else. And if you'd like to fist fight over it, I'd be happy. Come over to my house. We'll take it. (laughs) If you are that person who's desperate for health, again, free resource. I'm happy to help you. Please don't fall victim to those uh, lying liars and their snake oil. That's so beautiful. And I think you're the first and um, I hope not the last podcast guest who's offered to fist fight someone. Oh, so yeah. that that's the breakout after dark and I'm liking it. Carrie and I loved Fitz's plain speaking truth telling. It was incredibly refreshing. She's very self-assured. She knows who she is and she's very certain of what she stands for and she knows even more importantly what she doesn't stand for. And I like that, you know, she could be easily persuaded to buy into the bullshit and get a million dollar contract to sign on for some garbage like so many do, but she doesn't and she never will. And so by being so certain, it's allowed her to make really good decisions in her life. And I think Kelly, you hit the nail on the head with, life is much easier if you know what you stand for because it makes decision-making really simple. You can still have hard decisions. I'm not trying to be flippant about it, but for her, she's not, you know, grinding her teeth at night going, God, should I take those $2 million from this green tea diet pill or something? And no, it was a pretty easy decision for her because it doesn't fit into her ethics. That's not who I am. And that's easy, no, no problem, bye. You're so motivating. How do you help people kind of get motivated and help them be their best selves? What's your approach? So first of all is buy-in. You know, when I do a keynote, it's how do I get people to believe this is necessary? Because if I just start saying, this is how you got to exercise and this is what you got to do, then they may tune out, right? But I say, okay, what are the benefits here? So we talk about the benefits and then the consequences of ignoring the things I have to say. So that's the buy-in. And then I come out with people with layman's terms, easy to understand practices to get to your point B. And people know that I love them, which is why I also get to be brutally honest. And that's one of the greatest bits of feedback I've had throughout my career. So many people come back and say, thank you for your brutal honesty. I mean, clearly I'm pointed, right? I have strong opinions. Your doctor may shy away. Your best friends may be like, no, you're beautiful as you are. I don't care what you look like, folks. None of that is my business. What I care about is how long you live and how well you live and how do we get you into a better place. And so, um, yeah, buy-in and then information and hopefully in a compelling way. Yeah, that's beautiful. Kelly and I are involved in change management and teach change management. And number one, burning platform buy-in. If you can't get the buy-in, the rest of it won't matter. You won't do the change. So you're a change management expert without knowing it fits. 
Speaking of the change, what are the most common things that stop people from taking action? Excuses. Excuses. Do I need to say any more? What's the top excuse for fitness? What's the top excuse you get? Oh, I don't have time, which is just a load of crap. It's just oh, such I'm a load. I'm pretty sure I said that one fits, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> it's, garbage. <laughs> it's garbage. And, you know, people will say well, things like, well, I'm a mom. Okay, that is not an excuse. That's your incentive. If you have children, it's your obligation to take care of you so you can guide them and support them and be there for them as long as possible. And if you're treating your body like a wrecking ball, then they're gonna do the same thing for them. So you also are are obligated for role modeling. For those who say, well, I'm so busy at work, I can't take care of myself. Okay, well, make sure you know you're never going to find a promotion. You're never going to be wildly successful or it's gonna be short-lived because people are drawn to those who are fitter dynamos. And again, I'm not talking about sexy in a bikini or whatever. What I'm saying is, does this guy look like a powerhouse who can go the the length of the project and get stuff done? Or does that person look kind of slovenly and insecure and unenergetic? I mean, there's things that fitness brings to a parent, to a professional, to a romantic partner, to a sexual partner. You know, everything in your life will improve if you are taking care of you. So yeah, most of these excuses are just crap. And even even within cancer, there's something you can do, you know? So maybe you can't go do a Zumba class. Fine. Can you stretch while you're stuck in bed? Yeah. So, you know, fitness isn't about doing what the other guy's doing or what you used to do. It's about what what can you do today to better yourself, to push the envelope just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think fits that time one because I've said that one. And then because in my head, I keep thinking of a 35 minute or 45 minute, like you have to do that. And what I've started to do is in between meetings, I'll do five push ups and a 30 second plank. And then guess what? By the end of the day, I've done 20 push ups. So just doing that two minutes and three minutes here has helped a lot with that time excuse. Well, and if I asked anybody to do 60 full seconds of burpees, they'd probably come at me with a bayonet. You know, they'd be like, no, (laughs) never. So you can accomplish a lot in a short amount. And then you can also, you can pivot, right? So if you're stuck talking to someone on the phone, put your earbuds in and go for a walk. Or if you want to walk with your colleague, walk around the building or walk around the block. So you you can force fitness into your career. And I believe other professionals will be appreciative of that opportunity. Mm hmm all right, let's talk about, you mentioned your your latest book, and a few years ago, you had to confront something pretty terrifying. So tell us about your cancer story. December of 2018, I had a clean mammogram, sparkling clean. There was nothing there. Seven weeks later, I got out of the shower at a race weekend, rubbed my under boob, and I found a lump, and it was a sizey lump. And so instantly, naked, I picked up my phone, which was on the bathroom counter, and I called my doctor. And so that's really important that people know that that's the proper course of action. Do not Google it. Do not call your mom or your friends and cry. Do not <laughs> sleep on it. Just call right away. And so I did that. And it, within a week or so, I had had the appointments and the mammogram and the ultrasound and the biopsy. And I was told, Fitz, you have uh, breast cancer, that tumor is sizey, and it's already spread to your lymph nodes. So it's running through you like wildfire. We need to get you treated right away because it's it's serious. So I was terrifying. Yeah. You have so much energy and you're so focused on your fitness. And so how did this kind of integrate into your into your psyche, your mental state to start with? <laughs> so my first book in this series is called My Noisy Cancer Comeback. 
you know, I was definitely terrified. I definitely thought I was going to die. This thing was moving quick. And I and I did think I have the perfect family and the perfect career. I'm the perfect beacon of health. I'm definitely going to make the perfect tale of tragedy, right? Even though I'm a tigger, I'm a total optimist. It's nothing is as terrifying as cancer. So I was fearful and mostly fearful that I would miss out on Ginger and Parker's lives, my, my teenagers. So finally, the doctor said, no, Fitz, we're going to cure you. You're just going to have to endure the cure. So I made a few big decisions that went a long way for me, and they're the foundation of noisy, my noisy cancer comeback. Uh, Number one was perspective. You know, so many people go, well, did you think, why me? Well, no. Why not me? When there's little babies in the hospital with cancer, what did they do? So, of course, why not me? And I decided to be grateful that I wasn't a kid with cancer and it wasn't my kid with cancer because I had the great fortune of being a grown-up with cancer. I decided to put on my big girl panties and do what I had to do. So perspective number one, I, you know, I was sad. I was stressed. I probably cried every day. I just didn't bask in it. I didn't wallow in grief, which I think is devastating to anyone's health, just period, right? So if you can't, get yourself out of it. So perspective number one. Number two is I decided to pursue my passions in a big way. So my commitment was if my kids had a show, a sport, a ceremony, I was going to be there come hell or high water. And I was. And I went. I got dragged behind a horse. I had a horrific time with cancer. I had 15 months of chemo. Uh, the first five and a half months were like nightmare. I had a, 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 it was like living with a violent stomach bug every single day. I had IV fluids five days a week to keep me from having the effects of dehydration. So I was really, really sick. Then I had that 10 more months of mean chemo, just less mean. And I had uh, 33 rounds of radiation and I had surgery. So I did the triathlon of, of treatment. So it was perspective. Then it was my passions, then my kids and my career. And so many people had said, oh, Fitz, you should take, just take a break, take time off. And many people would have understand had I done that, I wouldn't have understand. You know, cancer steals a lot of things. It, it stole my hair. It stole my good feelings. I was not going to let it steal my career, steal time with my kids. And so I boarded, I think, over 30 planes out of Gainesville, Florida to fly around the country while bald, while gray, while sick. And I was just such a catastrophe. But this was the the beauty, the magic of making that decision is I'd get to California, let's say, my, and I'd get to my IV fluids, <laughs> wherever I was. <laughs> and then I would often sleep on those hotel bathroom floors. You know how when you're mm-hmm. sick, that's that's where yep. you end up? Yep. And I would my at 4:30 a.m. my alarm would go off and I'd drag my lifeless body off the bathroom floor and I'd get dressed and everything was wrong with me. And I can tell you, I mean, my fingernails were ripping off. Everything was wrong. I would get onto those start line stages and everything that was wrong with me would disappear. Um. Immediately, I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again. I wasn't sick, I wasn't tired, I wasn't hurting. I was just laser focused on these extraordinary events and these incredible people, and the adrenaline rushed through me, and it was it was miraculous that I got to feel good and happy and just have that energy. And so, you know, that's my, my passion, but what I want other people to know, and you don't have to wait for cancer to do this, is every day should include something that you're passionate about, whether it's art or music or sports or animals or or basket weaving, whatever. Just do your thing and that will uplift you because sometimes we just have a bad day, right? But if you go and cuddle your animals, it's impossible to be cranky. So passions, passions, passions. And then last but not least, I chose to be positive. Now, it wasn't all puppies and rainbows. It was 
difficult and dark. But when someone said something funny, I allowed myself to laugh. You don't get any extra points for being the saddest person in the room. So those were the big three, the three Ps, I call them. And I'm so grateful I made those decisions. And now because of these books, other cancer patients are making those decisions and they're doing so well. So yay, silver linings, right? Thanks, cancer. Going through those grueling cancer treatments is one thing, but then going through that while traveling around the country, motivating others to run a marathon, that's just hard to wrap your head around. Her resilience, I think, comes through loud and clear, you know, because it might have been a very different story if she hadn't said, you know what, I could wallow, I could take time off. But she decided, you know, the one thing that really makes me happy is being around my kids, of course, but also work. Like, that's what's going to get me through the... The finish line, pun intended. Nice, nice job. I think that purpose, if we all have, again, it goes to why am I doing something? If you can tie it to a bigger purpose, then you can survive much better. And the little things that go wrong won't be as horrible. There's gotta be some bigger hook because if you have that, you can get through the rest of it. And so for the cancer, she was like, I'm getting up for a purpose. That was awesome. That was beautiful to hear and a good reinforcement. You said in your books that there's a weird and wonderful side of cancer. What does that mean? Break it down for us. Okay, so the weird stuff, my eyes changed colors. What? Like, and <laughs> stayed? And stayed the different yeah. color? Yep, yep. So I used to have pale gray eyes. My eyes were silver. They were gray. And then um, one morning I woke up and I jump in the shower. I look in the mirror and my gray, pale gray eyes are now navy blue saucers. They're just these dark blue saucers. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, oh, crap, like what? And all this other weird stuff had happened. This is just one example. But I'm looking and thinking, what the F? How come nobody mentioned this? And that was actually the impetus of the book. Like, how come nobody talks about the weird stuff? We talk about sickness and tired. Fine. There's all this crazy crap that goes on that nobody shares. It's not the worst punishment on the earth. So now my eyes are blue. They're blue, blue, royal blue. Um, They're not gray at all, which is weird. The wonderful side was really the kindness. You know, I traveled this country with I never wore a wig. I rarely wore a hat, only if I was cold. So I was the bald girl going. I never wore a pink ribbon. I still don't wear pink ribbons. I just, they make me feel like a victim, so I don't. But people just knew, right? And so strangers of every sort were always trying to be kind to me. They were lifting my bags or or just giving me a, you know, I'm rooting for you. And then my runners, my job is to take care of them. They were constantly bringing me gifts. It was hats and blankets. People would bring me snacks. Some of those snacks kept me up on my feet. I might have hit the ground a few times without those snacks. So, so yeah, I mean, I would never go back and volunteer. <laughs> like, that was a great experience. I'm going to do it again. It all worked out. But the silver linings are aplenty, and I would be obnoxious not to acknowledge those things. Yeah. And I just think it's it what makes you even more charming and more passionate and more of a change maker in the world. You know, I'm so proud of Noisy. But the next one, the Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, this one is the one that I'm so elated by. Because if you look on Amazon, if you search cancer and fitness, you'll find nothing, nothing. The only thing available now is my book. And you think, how could this not happen before? Because the evidence is there. The data is is vast that says, 
you can increase your chances of remission through exercise and quality nutrition, and you can decrease your chances of recurrence with exercise and quality nutrition and quality rest. And so why this is not the biggest thing, and you guys will not be surprised at the very, the first chapter of your healthy cancer comeback is control. It's about controlling what you can. So yeah, we can't undo magic wand that poof, we don't have cancer, but there's a lot of things we can control. And when it comes to this life and death situation, you should control. So when I hit rock bottom, I never had a doubt that I would be able to dig my way out of that hole. And I was skeletally thin and I was terribly weak and all of those things. I was a mess, but I I was confident that I'd get back and I have. At the same time, I was painting for my peers. You know, think about all the people you know going through cancer. Mm -hmm. Right now, that treatment is uh, atrophying their muscles. Their lack of mobility is, is causing stiffness and pain and they're just they're deteriorating, they can slow the decline if they know how to do it. And that's what this book is about. And then when they're told, hey, you're cancer-free, they can dig their way out. But And that's what the book is for. So uh, this one is really, you know, the nuts and bolts of helping people. And I am hoping at some point moving forward, every single cancer patient on earth upon diagnosis gets your healthy cancer comeback. I love that. And I know that Kelly Gunther's first chapter of control, because Kelly likes control at all times, Fitz. So (laughs) that spoke to her right there. She's like, control, let's talk more about that, Kelly Gunther. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading your website in preparation for our podcast, and I did read the webpage where you talk about the caloric, uh, what did you call it, the caloric? Exact formula for weight loss. Yes. And the FAQs in particular, I thought were really, you had described it as brutal honesty. I call it beautiful honesty, in part because it's what people need to hear. As I was reading, I'm like, well, anybody could do this. It's a very easy formula that you don't make it complicated. Um, And I think whenever something is easy, people are more likely to do it. Well, thank you for that feedback. I just uh, like make it simple. Fitness is not so complicated. And think about our country. We can't afford this healthcare crisis. The healthcare crisis is not because everyone's being hit by a car. It's because people are not taking good care of themselves. Maybe it's because they don't know any better, but I think it's so very solvable, but it it all starts with the knowledge of uh, what's the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when you think about your experience with cancer, and a question I have is, how are you doing? Are you in remission? How are you you feeling overall? Yeah, thank you. I am in remission. I finished chemo and all my other treatments in May of 2020, and I feel stronger than ever. So I'm a bit dinged up. There's a few weird parts about me, but for the most part, I've come back fully. I ran the Boston Marathon a little over a year after finishing treatment. And yeah, I am I am great. Well, and I, I certainly have no excuse thinking about being tired, thinking about everything you've been through. I have no reason to say I'm tired anymore. Oh my goodness, um, that's amazing. I think it really starts with having something to look forward to, right? If I didn't have something wonderful in in front of me, I might have wanted to sleep in. And and we all have legitimate reasons for tired. It's, you know, fatigue isn't isolated to cancer patients, but it's will. It's willpower. It's discipline. That's That goes a long way. And, and again, just having something you're passionate about. Exactly. So when you think about your experience with cancer, how has that changed the way that you work with people and motivate them? So interestingly, I mean, fitness hasn't changed because I had this rough patch. Mm -hmm. Fitness remains the same. But I do find that people are 
receive me a little better if they see my bald head, right? So I have spent many of years on on stages being one of the worst things in the world, which is a lean blonde woman. Nobody likes her. We got to hate her, right? And then as I start presenting, if I mention I'm I'm I was an overweight teenager, I had an eating disorder, instantly people soften up and they go, "Aw." <laughs> and they like me a little more and they're more willing to accept the things I have to say because they know that I'm a real person and I have struggled too and I'm okay with anything that invites people to hear the accurate information and use it. Yeah, when it speaks to your vulnerability, which I think is one of the cornerstones of this podcast is when when you're able to show a vulnerable side of who you are, it does invite people in and it shows that you're human. It shows that you're real and you're a real beacon for what it means to, number one, take care of yourself. You find a lump, you immediately call the doctor and you take action. You are um, someone who hopefully inspires you know, women, anyone to take action on their health. Thank you so much. And, you know, I'm anything but perfect. And our family motto is perfect is boring. So I hope nobody out there feels like they have to be perfect. It's not perfect or fail. It's better each day, a little bit better. Exactly. So if you have one minute with someone who is stuck and wants to break out fits, what would you tell them? Uh, That you have control over the situation. It is not your ancestors' fault. If you go in front of the mirror tomorrow morning. So get naked, wake up, go look in the mirror, know that you did that. So you're not responsible for your height, but everything else you're responsible for. So if you look in the mirror and you say, hooray, I'm so proud of me. This is great. Then good. You did that. If you look in the mirror and you say, oh, that's not so good. I wish this were different. Okay. Well, you did that. And that's not a slap in the face. What I'm giving you is ownership. And if you know that you are responsible for your failures or your weak spots, you know that you can be responsible for your success. Prioritize yourself. If you love the people around you, the greatest thing you can do for them is take care of yourself. Fitz, thank you so much for being part of our podcast and being such an inspiration to us on so many levels. Thank you, ladies, Carrie and Kelly. This was a great conversation. And for anyone else who wants to reach out, if you follow, I promise quality content return, but I'd much rather have friends than followers. So please tell me, I heard you on Kelly and Carrie's podcast. I wanted to say hi, because that would be great. Thank you, Fitz. And I just really appreciate you telling the diet industry to go F themselves. So awesome. For those of you, since we are not on audio, Fitz might have given double fingers and that is freaking (laughs) awesome. So thank you, Fitz, for that. (laughs) Thank you. If this episode inspired you or made you think, give us a five-star rating and spread the word. It helps us reach more people who just might need these stories. And don't forget to subscribe to The Breakout so you never miss a new episode. I'm Kelly Gunther. And I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. See you next time. 